You and me and BPD. Season three, episode six. Comorbid diagnoses and my autism story. Hello, welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, I took a little bit of a mid-season break, <laughs> um, but we're back and we've got some more episodes planned. Um, so today we're going to be talking about this concept of comorbid diagnoses, um, specifically in relation to my own comorbid diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and autism. Um, I've mentioned a couple of times that uh, I was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum last August, so it's nearly been a year now. And today I decided that we would talk a little bit about comorbid diagnoses, what those are, how they appear in borderline personality disorder patients, as well as kind of what made me want to start my diagnostic testing for autism and what led me to officially getting diagnosed. So to begin, let's just start at the very basis. What is a comorbid diagnosis? or a diagnosis. So the term comorbid means like two or more at the same time, essentially. Um, so with borderline personality disorder, we know that it is a personality disorder. It is a cluster B uh, disorder within the DSM-5. And um, the one thing about it is or the main things about it are, we've talked about this quite often, uh, instable mood, emotional dysregulation, uh, potentially dealing with chronic feelings of emptiness and loneliness and feeling instability within the sense of self. And we've talked about this before. You can go back and listen to episodes, but um, that kind of characterizes borderline personality disorder. A lot of people say that it is an emotional dysregulation disorder. It has to do with relationships and interpersonal relationships and how we relate to other people and situations in our life. And so when people hear that, they might think that that encompasses everything that they are. You know, irritability, uh, substance abuse issues or low self-esteem or anger issues and feelings of loneliness and they kind of stop there so some people get diagnosed and then that's it they go that is all i have that is what i'm living with and i don't ever need to explore further and unfortunately we know that there's a lot of stigma with borderline personality disorder i've talked about this before and there's this this idea that borderline personality disorder is therapy resistant um, and some doctors and some therapists will even say I can't treat you I don't know what to do for you I don't have anything that I can I can help you with and that can leave people in really terrible positions um, especially if you know they've been struggling for quite a while and they really want help and they don't know what to do next and so one of the things that has come about is this idea that maybe borderline personality disorder isn't necessarily treatable in terms of there's no specific uh, medication, 
uh, everybody with borderline personality disorder will reflect on their therapy experiences differently. Some people love it, some people hate it, some people want alternative forms of therapy, so there's no clear way to treat people. But when we look at comorbid diagnoses, we might find that there are ways to treat some of the things that maybe don't fit into borderline personality disorder or that can be treated. So for instance, um, there, there was one research study that I read that said 50% of people with borderline personality disorder as a diagnosis will also have a comorbid diagnosis which means half of us are walking around not only with borderline personality disorder, but also with another um, another condition. Recently, I read a study that was published in 2018 that said 96% of people with borderline personality disorder have a comorbid diagnosis. So that's nearly all of us. Um, and when, when you look at that, you can kind of see. So. Uh, the rates are about 80% of people with BPD will also experience chronic depression. Chronic depression is within itself a diagnosis, so you can be diagnosed with chronic depression. And chronic depression is somewhat treatable by antidepressants, SSRIs, maybe specific forms of therapy. Um, Maybe you might need ketamine um, infusions, which I've seen a lot of people do for chronic depression. And these are, when you look at treating chronic depression, it might help in some cases to treat borderline personality disorder because now you you have a better understanding of where, where you're coming from. So um, some of the most common comorbid diagnoses are, as I mentioned, depression disorder or chronic depression disorder. Um, also anxiety disorders. So if you feel a lot of anxiety, it, it might not be borderline personality disorder, disorder. You might have anxiety, whether it's social anxiety or it's just generalized anxiety and treating your generalized anxiety or social anxiety can actually help to lessen the emotional dysregulation you might feel because of borderline personality disorder. Another big one is um, in females especially or AFAB people assigned female at birth people is eating disorders and eating disorders as we know is its own diagnosis. You can be diagnosed with anorexia or you can be diagnosed with bulimia or um there's another one which is i can't remember it right now but it's where you you are kind of afraid to eat specific foods um it's like resistance disorder um but when you are diagnosed with a eating disorder, you might go to an eating disorder clinic, you might get inpatient treatment, you might be put on medication, or you might have specific therapies that can help you with the eating disorder. And then once you've kind of dealt with that, it might be easier to start to begin to handle your borderline personality disorder. In males, um, there's higher chances of substance abuse and addictions. And we've talked about that before on this podcast as well, that sometimes it might be easier to deal with those addictive personalities and the things that you're addicted to 
before you start to deal with the emotional dysregulation that BPD brings into your life. The reason why we talk about comorbid diagnoses is because, unfortunately, a lot of the time people are diagnosed and then they're just left by themselves. I know when I was first diagnosed, it was like, you have borderline personality disorder. Here you go. And I was like, what do I do with that? And they're like, find a therapist. And I was like, who? <laughs> like, where do I find this therapist? What what, what else am I supposed to do with this information? And um, I don't know about where you are, but where I am in Canada, sometimes you can be diagnosed with a mental health condition like borderline personality disorder from a general practitioner, just a family doctor. They don't spend a lot of time learning about diagnosis. So for them to diagnose you with something can be very kind of traumatizing in a way and it can leave you with not a lot of information about where to go next so sometimes when we get this diagnosis um, we need to be willing to kind of further um, check up on it and go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or go to somebody who might be able to say yeah you have borderline personality disorder but you also have depression and depression is its own type of mental illness that we have a lot more resources to help. So let's figure out how to deal with your depression first or your anxiety first or your eating disorder first. And then from there, we can figure out how to deal with your borderline personality disorder. And these are really important because when you're thinking about or you're feeling overwhelmed with BPD, you might have felt, I know I've felt before, like there's nothing I can do. There's no way that I can take care of myself. I'm never going to get better. And we know that not to be true. So once again, 50% of people who are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, meaning they meet at least five plus um, parts of the diagnostic criteria, there are nine, um, in five to 10 years, people will move out of that diagnostic criteria. So they won't meet it anymore. So maybe at this moment in time, you're meeting six or seven or all nine of the diagnostic criteria. And maybe once you start to work on your depression or your anxiety or your um, bipolar disorder, because that's also a comorbid diagnosis, then you can start to move away from the diagnostic criteria because you just have more information about yourself. And the more information you have, the easier it is to begin to walk this path of acceptance and healing. Whenever people message me, I always say like, you, you need to have self-compassion and the best thing you can do now, now that you've had this diagnosis, now that you have been aware of what BPD is, is to learn even more about your own triggers, your own kind of past and trauma and how to best handle life. That's essentially what getting a diagnosis of BPD is. That's essentially what, what people find when they first come across BPD is they might feel like it explains everything in their life. And then what do you do with that information? So first off, 
if you have borderline personality disorder, if you've been diagnosed, you might want to go through the process and it can cost a lot. I'll talk about that when I start talking about my autism diagnostic because it's quite expensive, but you might want to go through the process of finding a psychiatrist or psychologist and actually just trying to see if maybe you have a comorbid diagnosis because once you figure that out, you can start to treat those other things that are more treatable rather than just kind of living in this state where you might feel overwhelmed by your mental your mental illness and not know what to do next. So that's first part. Second part is my autism story. So I started thinking that borderline personality disorder didn't explain everything in my life in about 2019. Um, so I was taking an, uh, I was in university and um, I had been in therapy for quite a while and I was working in a, well, volunteering in a behavioral class where I met children with autism. And I started realizing that a lot of the things that they were doing seemed very similar to me. And so I spent the whole kind of year of 2020 thinking potentially I have autism and I started researching and exploring what what that would mean and I found out that there are people who get diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and then later find out that that's a misdiagnosis and they might actually or they are actually autistic and I was like that's really interesting I wonder why that is turns out it's because of misogyny <laughs> and uh, most of the time it happens to assigned female at birth people AFAB people um, that people don't want to diagnose girls with autism uh, there's whole research studies behind it there's whole organizations about trying to get girls into the idea of what being autistic is and so I started researching myself and I started talking about potentially getting tested. And um, I'm an adult, I'm about to turn 30. And in my country where I live, Canada, it is very hard to find adult testing for autism. And so I was very lost. Um, CAMH, which is kind of our biggest Center for Addiction and Mental Health, they have a, a free waiting list of like three plus years. And I was like, I'm not going to wait three years to try to figure out if I am autistic or not. So I reached out to a private uh, psychiatry firm, psychologist firm, and I said, do you do diagnostic testing? And so I went for an interview with a psychologist. And he asked me all of these questions saying, like, why, why do you want to do this testing? What do you hope to get out of it? Um, what kind of brought you to this uh, place where you might be exploring this? And I explained that I had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And while I do identify with a lot of what borderline personality disorder is, I have a lot of social issues and BPD for the most part. It doesn't really cover social issues and I have a lot of sensitivities to things that are very um, kind of mainstream that 
that wouldn't really fall under the borderline personality disorder umbrella of things that you might experience. Um, I also have, uh, yeah, my, my main things are socially relating to people. And so in my interview with him, it was about half an hour. Um, we talked about all these different things and he started saying, okay, so this is how it goes. So my autism diagnostic testing was a series of four interviews and three of them were about an hour and a half in length. So it was quite taxing. I had to sit, I had to answer lots of questions about my childhood, which I've talked about, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. So I was telling him I don't remember a lot, but I will try. And the things I did remember uh, were, there, there were a lot of feeling socially insecure, not relating to people, finding it hard to communicate with people and understand social cues and what was being asked of me, um, feeling very distracted in class and, uh, and feeling like I was out of place with the people in my life and kind of feeling like I was an alien of sorts. Um, so that was kind of the first one was going back in time, talking about my childhood and my upbringing and my relationship to my parents and all these different things. The second one moved into when I was in high school. So it was more recent memories and early, early adulthood about how did I handle life? How did I handle university? What were some of the ways that um, being an adult was challenging? Um, and so that was really interesting to kind of have somebody to sit down with and talk, talk to. And then the third one was a set of, it was about two hours. So I guess, I guess I had two that were one and a half ish. And then one that was about two and a half hours of a bunch of online tests. So it was a bunch of tests of my cognition, of my memory, of uh, I would have to read words on a screen and then repeat them back to him and then like kind of work on making sure that I was um, cognitively aware of what was happening and I didn't quite understand that aspect. I guess it's a it's tests that would have checked out if I was also if I also had ADHD, which um, was a potential diagnosis that a psychiatrist gave me a couple of years ago. Um, so that was really interesting because it was just generally having to do a bunch of online tests, <laughs> and then finally he sent me a bunch of quizzes, and so they were a bunch of answering questions such as, this took me about two hours of my own time, and it was questions such as, um, when people are rude to you, are you able to recognize it? Yes, no, maybe. And so it was really interesting because some of the questions I, I just didn't, I didn't understand, <laughs> or I didn't, I didn't get why I was being asked them. And I struggled with some of the questions such as, I am aware of when others are feeling sad. And I was like, well, that really highly depends on 
what what they look like if they're showing me that they're sad if they're if they have tears in their eyes then yeah but if they're not showing that they're sad how am i supposed to know that they're sad that's a very strange question um <laughs> so there was a couple of different things that was really interesting for me because i remember doing it and and saying i don't know how to answer this question and that was really hard kind of for me because i am someone who does so much self-work and so much kind of exploration of who i am and so to kind of say i don't know how to answer this question was pretty interesting and then finally after about a month of being done all these tests so this took i started my testing in about uh april ish end of february beginning of uh no end of march beginning of april so that was my first kind of interview hour and a half long interview and um so i did that in the beginning of april i did another one mid-April I did another one in May and then I did all my diagnostic testing in about June um, and then I had to wait and it was very at that point I was looking on reddit I read a lot about people who were self-diagnosing autism I looked on social media I did a lot of research about how does it present in adults? How are people late diagnosed with autism? Like what, what does that kind of feel like? And how do people kind of process that? And um, I've heard people say the general rule is like, if you're spending time researching if you might be autistic, you most likely are autistic. And I don't want to put that out there and say, absolutely, if you research it, you are autistic, because obviously there's researchers out there who study autism. But Generally, if you're researching something, if you're spending a lot of time learning about it, if you feel like you really relate to it, most likely you are also autistic or whatever it might be. Um, I know some people who find this podcast who have started hearing about borderline personality and so they find this podcast and they message me and they go, oh my god, you've explained so much to me and I'm not diagnosed yet, but I really feel like I want to go down this road. So. I would highly suggest that if you if you are researching something, if you're putting effort into it, if you're really learning from the community and from people who live with whatever you think you might have, follow up on that. Because what's the worst thing? You find out that you don't? Okay, well at least you know something new about yourself. So I had to wait about an, a month for um, my guy Peter. <laughs> to go through all of my uh, diagnostic testing, to go through all of our interviews. He had to go to another psychologist and they had to work together to figure out whether or not I was. And then we had a final interview in August. And so this took about five to six months. Um, since I first initially reached out, I reached out in the end of January. So yeah, January to about August, five or six months. Um, and so I was talking with Peter and he was like, so I'm going to diagnose you with borderline personality disorder. You already know you have that. <laughs> Good checkbox. Great. Diagnosed again. Beautiful. And then he said that what he was going to diagnose me with 
was at that t- at that moment in time um, depression in remission, meaning I I do have depression, um, but at that moment in time it was it was not really affecting my life. Um, it had been a couple of months since my last kind of depressive episode, so that was cool. And then he said, and I'm gonna diagnose you as being on the spectrum. And it was really interesting because when I got that diagnosis, I had already spent about a year and a half researching and learning and and kind of exploring what this might mean for myself. And to hear somebody say, yeah, I'm gonna diagnose you with autism, I was, I was both extremely um, proud of myself for going through it, but I was also like, oh, okay, so this isn't just in my head, it's like a thing. Um, and so I've kind of been unpacking it over the past couple of months. I've been seeing where, at least for me, where autism comes in and where borderline personality exists. And there's some people out there who believe or who have said that people with borderline personality disorder, especially females, are people with autism automatically. Like there's some people out there who say that if you if you have borderline personality disorder, you are actually autistic. It's a misdiagnosis. Borderline personality disorder shouldn't exist. I don't believe that because in myself, I can feel where the difference is. My autistic side, I guess, would be the side that uh, doesn't fully understand how to communicate with people and has a really hard time feeling comfortable with others. And uh, my autistic side is the side that needs to stim. I rock back and forth almost constantly when you're talking to me. I, I can't necessarily just look at one thing. I'm constantly looking around and I have a lot of sensory input. I'm really, really sensitive to sounds and to sensations especially when when something's touching me I really don't like it sometimes and I get really freaked out really quickly when when something's touching me that I don't know what it is or or I can't recognize what it is um I also uh, I also have a hard time understanding people sometimes sometimes in the past I've gotten in trouble for asking too many questions and for trying to get clarification on things that people say oh this is easy you should be able to understand it um i also have a really really hard time with change change is the hardest thing for me especially if i have a routine and i have like kind of my daily schedule and how it should go and i've learned to be a little bit more easier with that and to to kind of be a little bit more accommodating to things that might go wrong but I had a really hard time when I was younger with change and I had a really hard time when I was younger expressing my emotions and I while borderline personality disorder brings about this is where the comorbid diagnosis comes in borderline personality disorder brings about the drastic emotional shifts and the emotional roller coaster that I talk about of one moment feeling fine and then something triggers you and the next moment you feel absolutely horrible and what was hard for me 
when I was younger was I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know how to be okay with all of these emotions within myself. And so sometimes I would kind of like get stuck in trying to express myself and tell people why I was mad or why I was angry and I didn't know the correct words to use and I didn't know I've always kind of had an, had a problem with saying things that t- get taken out of context and then uh, people get mad at me and then I don't know why they're mad at me and then they get even more mad at me and I, I there's just the problem with understanding what I'm supposed to do in what situation and it's interesting because there's a part of me that says someone should have noticed when I was a kid (laughs) like someone should have seen that I was struggling and that I you know did have depression because I've had depression for a very long time and that I didn't have as many friends and didn't know how to make friends and (laughs) someone should have seen but they didn't and so, so one of the beautiful things about getting this diagnosis of, of being autistic while also having borderline personality disorder is that now I have a better awareness of where I'm coming from. I have a better awareness of why sometimes my emotional triggers are really impacted by people that I'm around. And now I know that maybe the times when I was really bad, like bad in quotations, like that I treated people badly might have been because I was overstimulated because I, I felt like I couldn't be my authentic self, which is this mishmash of mental illness and emotional dysregulation inside one person. And sometimes it, it makes life hard. <laughs> And one of the the best things I've learned and I've been learning that this past couple of months since this diagnosis is that it is just life is hard in general (laughs) and I'm really lucky that I have people in my life who listened to my diagnosis. My husband has been so brilliant with understanding that you know, I needed to unpack this and I needed to be diagnosed. It cost me a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. It cost me close to $1,600. It was a big investment into myself to get this diagnosis, to do the testing, to go through the like eight or nine hours of interviews, like whatever it was that I had to do. Um, It was a lot. It was emotionally taxing and It was really nerve-wracking as well because you have to you have to be honest with this other person that you don't know and you don't know is judging you or is gonna say something about you or whatever Um, but it was really important for me to do this process and I am very grateful that I had the means Um, I used a lot of my student loans Um, But I'm really grateful that I was able to get this diagnosis and learn more about myself. And this is why I think it's really important when people talk about borderline personality disorder that they recognize that a lot of us actually have other conditions as well. And I've seen people who've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and just feel so overwhelmed and so lost in their mental health journey. And 
that's why I wanted to make this episode because it's really important for us to recognize that none of us are a singular person, our singular entity. We have so much more going on inside of us than we might even recognize or than that other people might recognize. And it's important to be aware of that. It's important to take time to process your diagnoses and you don't need to tell anyone. I mean, I told my best friend, I told my mom, but I didn't really tell very many other people because it's no one's business. I mean, I have this podcast, so now I don't know how many of you are going to listen to this, but now you know. And obviously it's in the it's on the internet and stuff, but it's nobody's business. If you want to not tell anybody that you're diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, you don't have to. I mean, obviously you should tell people who are close to you and you should tell people that you know, are going to be around you for an extended amount of time because that might be something that you can work through together. But if you're thinking that you might have borderline personality disorder or autism or anything else really, you need to do that work. And if you do get the diagnosis, take the time to really unpack what that means for you. I'm still learning from from people who were diagnosed with autism as a child. I'm still learning about how autism presents in my life on a daily basis. I'm still learning about borderline personality disorder. I get sometimes messages from people who say like, oh, you're so knowledgeable. And it's like, I, I spend a lot of my time doing this. This is one of my special interests, if you want to call it that, um, is mental health and learning about mental health and learning about myself and, and exploring what all this means. So I think it's really important for us to be patient and have a lot of self-compassion and kindness because if you live with borderline personality disorder, you probably also live with other conditions and that's not a bad thing. Having mental illnesses, being autistic, whatever it might be, is not a bad thing. You're not broken. You're not inherently worthless or less than others. You're just different and all of us are different. And it's important that we recognize these differences, that we learn more about ourselves in order to be more compassionate for not only who we are, but the people in our life and the people we've been in the past. There's a lot of times I can think of in the past where I maybe wasn't the greatest person. And looking back, I can see it was because I was really stressed and I didn't know how to handle my stress. Or I was really depressed and I didn't know how to talk about it. Or I was just having an emotional fit because my clothes weren't fitting right and the temperature was too hot and my water wasn't cold enough and (laughs) I just wanted to go home and sleep and that was what I needed and I just it's it's important for me to talk about myself (laughs) and my journey because I feel like it allows for you to give yourself that space so I appreciate you for listening and as always if you have anything to say if you want to reach out if you want to just have a conversation um, I'm available on my Instagram at journey j-o-u-r-n-e-y dot bound b-o-u-n-d you can message me we can talk and um, 
I, I will be having a couple more conversations about autism. Obviously, it's a big part of my life. It's, it's something that I'm continuously unpacking and learning about. And I really honor all those who have been autistic since childhood um, because obviously that's a whole other stigma and life that I cannot understand. Um, but I appreciate you. And I hope you know that wherever you are on this path of, of mental health awareness and journeys and all this, you are valid and you are safe. And I hope you're safe. <laughs> and you can only know yourself better. And that's all that we can do in this life is just continuously unpack who we are why we are the way we are and hope to just find a little bit more compassion for ourselves in the process i love you i hope that you have an amazing day and i'll see you in the next episode bye